Hello and welcome to episode 17 of Bike Karma. I'm Tom Brown and I appreciate you being here to listen. This is a podcast that tries to bring all kinds of people together. Whether you're a mechanic or a collector or an avid rider, mountain, road, BMX, rat rod, custom, this is a show for you and all the people who want to learn more about all the other people in the world who love cycling. And with that in mind, one of our segments today is the language of bicycles and the physics of a common object often used by cyclists. And we start with a look at fixie bikes with Andrew Lewis Hernandez from Brooklyn, New York from the Instagram feed Fixed Gear Heroes. The Bike Karma Podcast is a commercial free labor of love. It's about sharing stories and making connections. And it's not intended to be a guide, so be safe and think for yourself. And if you want to show some love back, please give us a review on iTunes, Podbean, or Stitcher. But for now, thanks for coming along for the ride. Let's roll out. Fixie bike. Today we're going to talk about fixie bikes. Fixie bike. Fixie bike. Fixie bike. Fixie bike. Think of it as like you're going to be like a, a good friend to somebody who wants to learn about fixies, but they're like totally clueless. So how's that sound? If I had a nickel. <laughs> oh yeah, no, yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> 24-7 when I'm in the streets. You got no brakes, man? Come on, bro. My name is Andrew Luis Fernandez in New York City in the Messenger Game. They call me Sparky. Born and raised, Brooklyn, New York. So no brakes, huh? What for? <laughs> <laughs> They call me Sparky out here in the streets of Brooklyn, New York. I'm based out of Manhattan. All my work is kind of uh, not an easy one, but sure is fun, rewarding, and it's a great way to see shit. So what's your connection to the Fixie world? My connection to the Fixie world was uh, straight up the connection to the messenger world, which um, some people think being a messenger is all about fixed gear or vice versa, but the thing about fixed gear in the workplace is that it's, simple and uh, the lack of brakes just trains you not to stop. So the basic idea is you're coming at it from the bike courier, the bike messenger, and you basically mm-hmm. are zipping around the city delivering packages, delivering letters, delivering messages because you can get across the city faster than anybody else, short of a helicopter. Probably even faster than a helicopter because they have to land. And you're zipping around, so the the lack of brakes actually helps to train you and condition you to the rhythm of the riding. Precisely. Because we think of it like coming from the outside, we think of a lack of brakes, and you're like, why would you take the brakes off? So how do you stop? Stop, 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 stop. Well, simply put, it might be a different feel to some people, but the use of the six-gear cogs, meaning it does not move in place like a free body, all you have to do simply is resist the pedal. So just as if you're pedaling forward, instead you're pedaling backward. You won't be able to pedal backward, but the resistance will slow you down and eventually get you at a speed that's well enough to avoid obstacles or straight up stop if you need to, depending on your skill level. How hard is that to get used to? Uh, actually, it's somewhat difficult if you're starting out because uh, a lot of people who start out like to take the brakes off right away and like to jump into it, which is kind of what I did. It wasn't a smart idea, but... um. <laughs> It can take you well enough, just about a week, to get the hang of resisting the pedals down. And uh, pretty much after that, it's it's all control and, and the hand-eye coordination work as well, uh, a little bit. 
the bike looks cleaner too. I mean, that's that's what gets people interested in fixie bikes. You look at a fixed gear bike and you're like, nice clean lines. Well, those nice clean lines are because you've taken a bunch of stuff off of it. So you're saying it's not that you don't have braking ability. It's just that you don't have the little mechanism called the brake. So you still have a braking ability. It's just done differently. Precisely. The fixed gear bike really turns the rider into the machine itself, whereas Riding a regular bike, the machine is in your well, not regular bike, but riding on a freewheel is uh, is more about the machine, the mechanism itself. Riding a fixture bike, it, the bike turns into an extension of your body, with which you have to learn to tune to your own ability. Eventually, you'll pick up on on stopping on a dime, which actually took me quite a while. It, it is pretty difficult to stop on a dime, but normally, if you feel more attached to the bike, the bike will treat you a little differently, and. Uh, it's, uh, it's definitely a much better feeling. It's more like a pure form of biking. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, exactly. Yes, kids, 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 kids. We talked about how you actually have the braking ability without brakes. The way to do that is by locking your feet and then you skid on the back tire and the back tire actually becomes the thing that slows you down by stopping spinning and then it leaves a skid on the ground. So there's yeah. a myth out there that basically fixed gear riders are all wicked, wicked rich and they could afford lots and lots of tires. Is that true? <laughs> I find that really funny only because every friend I've ever had who was rode a fixed gear bike has always told me, say, hey bro, you're spinning all over the place. Do you have money for all these tires? And the first thing he the first thing he looks at me and says is, "No." <laughs> like, really? Like, I mean, that's kind of why like the more experienced fixed gear guys like myself, we just stop doing that completely because no, we do not have money for these tires straight up. And I mean, I don't. At least I don't. I got a couple of rich fixed gear friends here who do, but me and my boys down here in Williamsburg, Brooklyn, the struggle is real, man. You only get one tire. I mean, unless you're smarter than me and you buy more than one tire, but that's just me. So when we see these videos on YouTube about these people doing skids all the way down the side of a mountain, they're just trashing those tires. We're not missing anything, right? They're they're literally just they're just destroying those tires, right? <laughs> yep. The worst thing you can do to any tire, whether you're on a plane, whether you're in a car, whether you're on a bike, skating is the worst thing you can do because your tires play a huge role in how you ride your bike. Yeah, you're literally trashing your tire. And some people think of it in a way where, oh, I can just buy a new tire, it's fine. No, it's not about that. If you skid too much, your tire will begin to flatten. And if your tire flattens, it won't have the same tread contact all the way through the spectrum of the tire. So through the use of, of like fixed gear calculators, you'll be able to calculate with your gear ratio exactly how many skid patches you have. And depending on your ratio, you'll only have one skid patch. And that literally means whenever you stop to skid, for some reason, the tire will skid on that one patch of tire. And if you lose that one patch of tire, whether the tire has a hole in it or not, sometimes if you're riding in the rain, and if you just so happen to make a nice sharp turn, it'll turn right, but when the tire hits that one patch, you can lose your traction and you will slip. 
So you're charging your tire and you're putting yourself in danger. So another myth smashed right there. Leading yep. on with that, you can stop without skidding, without brake. Break it down really simple. How do you stop without skidding, without locking up that back wheel, without brakes? Literally, the, the, the idea is the word resist. So people think, uh, you know, on a freewheel bike, you're going to pedal backwards for years on end until the bike stops. On a fixed gear bike, all you have to do is just as you pedal forward, you try to pedal backwards and the, pedal will, the pedals will resist you. So it'll be as if you're standing still and you want to get up and ride your bike, you got a new bike, and you push forward on your pedal, the bike's gonna gradually move and speed up. And while you're in full speed, if you if you resist the pedal backward, as if you want to pedal backward, the bike will eventually come to a slow stop if you keep at it well enough. Basically, it's slowing that spinning down, not, you don't need to lock up to be able to stop. You just, grad, it's more of a gradual thing, so you really have to be, thinking ahead and thinking about what's coming up oh yeah definitely especially here in new york because our blocks are so short uh that's not a good thing it's um you have to plan out you have to know your bike this is where this is where your bike becomes an extension of your body it's almost like knowing how far your car can go while it's on e if you're at the crosswalk and if you're at full speed you're not going to stop even if you skid you're going to find yourself in the middle of the intersection but if you plan a block ahead you will be able to gradually slow. You'll be able to judge exactly how hot your entry is to the crosswalk. If you keep your eyes open, you will be able to resist your pedals. At some point, you will learn that you don't even have to stop. You can resist the pedals to a full stop if you want, but the more experienced guys will resist the pedals to a slow stop. And if they look at their surroundings really quick and they know they can move, they will just continue moving rather than stopping them. So you can stop completely, but by resisting the pedals, it's more of a strategy to keep going more than it is about stopping completely. But if you are in an emergency, skidding is definitely the number one because it is the shortest way to stop. If there's somebody who wanted to try riding a fixie, would you suggest Joe Blow wants to give it a try? Should he leave the brakes on for the first few times? Should he? Um, I mean... Hmm. The thing about fixed gear bikes is, it's you could leave both brakes on, and uh, generally I would say yes. But sometimes I feel like the less mechanisms on your handlebar, the easier it is for you to get a feel of what your bike is made of. For example, if you have if you have two brakes on, sometimes you're gonna want to hold. You're gonna want to have a hand position on the handlebar that's just not comfortable enough to use at your brakes, especially because it can hurt your hands. So normally what I would say is start off with two brakes. If you, use your best judgment is what I say, because my recommendation purely is to have one brake on and that's the front brake. But sometimes people just don't get how to use one brake, uh, the front brake, because if they get scared and they have no back brake for some reason, they press the front brake way too hard. They, you know, they face plant, which is not a pretty sight. If I had to say normally, my my pure recommendation would be to have the front brake and have it and have it about half loose. So God forbid you do have to make an emergency stop. If you squeeze the brake, you shouldn't 
shouldn't flip because your brake wouldn't be fully actuated. Because the point is to resist the pedal. So if you're adding back pressure while holding the front brake, the, the center of gravity will balance itself out and you're in for a better training day. What are some things you would tell people about people who ride fixed gear bikes? We see like the epic full-length movies where they're going crazy through the traffic, blowing off cops, blowing off traffic lights, doing insane stuff. Is it, is that why it's kind of like closed off? Is it more of a closed off community or is it just misunderstood? Hmm. That's a difficult question because in this city, Every cyclist, no matter what cyclist you are, you're definitely misunderstood. There's just this huge gray area in the commute system here, in the metro area, where people just don't think bikes should have the right of way. So it's just, we fixed your guys, we're trying really hard simply to, you know, we just want to ride our bike. And because traffic is so, is so tense and is so anti-bike around here, that, um, we fixed gear guys are normally the first ones to go. And by go, I mean die. That's kind of the worst way to say it. But, uh, you know, a lot of, like me, for example, I just want to make my money. There's some people who live in my neighborhood who only ride fixed gear bikes because it's cool. And I'm not arguing with that. I mean, to me, it is cool. But I feel like a lot of people who see these messenger guys or, or well, fixed gear guys in this case, riding up and down the street, blowing red lights, blasting music, it doesn't. It doesn't help our situation. So, are we misunderstood? Definitely, but we we definitely bond together as a as a misunderstood community. So we're not closed off per se, but you definitely have to have some sort of image when you're entering the community. And I don't mean image like you have to have your name out there. It's just you have to look to part and you have to perform to part. So, if somebody was trying to join that scene, would it be hard for them? Well. It wouldn't. It wouldn't be hard because we we definitely are an arms wide open, uh, come on, sit down, have a beer community. It's just for some reason, Tom, there is just some some of the snobs out there and a lot of them aren't even all that all that out there themselves. They just like to think that being a, that being a fixed gear writer or being a messenger is some sort of lifestyle that defines who you are. And I can respect that. But to people just joining the community, it would be really hard for them not to join the community, but to stay in it. Or at least to try and enjoy their place in it. Because if you if you go on Facebook, I'm not I'm not gonna give the the page name out there, everybody can find it themselves, but basically there's just a, a whole Facebook page on, on New York City fixed gear culture and if you go down to our history, like right now we're looking a little better, but if you go all the way down to the pages to, to all the posts, it's pretty bad. Like, you'll see a new guy who posts up, hey guys, I'm brand new here in the New York Fixture community. I bought my bike yesterday and I'm going to go to Central Park. What are your recommendations? And the first guy is going to say, uh, first off, throw your bike in the trash. <laughs> and some, some people <laughs> I laughed at that one really hard <laughs> because he put up a picture of his bike. It was a nice bike. And it, was a, it was a KHF Flight 100. Like, <laughs> he said, throw your bike out. <laughs> What is 
You know what? So so what you're telling me is, so like from the outside, we see the fixed gear is kind of like the edgy people, you know, they're running away, going through red lights, doing all this stuff. But at the end of the day, they're just like all the other disciplines is you've got the people who are the super elitist with road bikes. They would say the same thing with road bikes sometimes too. You get that one oh, guy, yeah. he'll be like, you know, throw it away. The mountain bike guy who says, you know, you're still riding a hardtail, you know, just stop. Don't ride at all until you can get a full suspension bike. You know, there's there's people like that in all the different disciplines. So it's kind of refreshing to know that you guys are like that in there as well. Yep. So some of you are going to be uh, more welcoming. Some of you are going to be less welcoming. So what kind of bike did you have when you first started out? Oh, man. When I first started over here in New York City, you know, where a lot of people like to think of us as snobs. So. Sometimes I get a little embarrassed to say so, but when I started out with fixed gear, uh, I started out with the simplest, cheapest thing I could find, and that was called uh, a Pure Fix. Now I believe it's called Pure Cycles. It, it served its purpose. I mean, uh, for a steel bike, it, it looked pretty clean. It was all black with the black wheels. Of course, in the nitty gritty, she's going to start to break down, and that's what she did. So kind of had to deal without a bike for a while. Then I had to go back to the free wheel gig, and now I'm riding a bike uh, on a frame called 17 Kia. What kind of rims do you got on it? Oh man, you know, to be straight up with you in the back, I have uh, straight up, it's one of the cheapy guys, it's an Alex rim R450. Well, battle tested, race tested, work tested, all around great wheel. In the front, I'm rocking an Easton Arrow, it's a prototype of the EA50. It's not really a rim we use in these streets, but it kind of comes with your style of riding, and some people like to rock all carbon fiber, and eh, I guess a carbon fiber front wheel won't do too much damage, but. That's kind of what we're dealing with. Uh, a, a very high-end front wheel and a BS back wheel, if you will. What kind of bars? Bars, it's uh, dimension drop bars. It's rolled, uh, good old-fashioned ergonomic rolled bars with good old-fashioned lizard skin grip tape, which is uh, quite popular in the New York area. Yeah, lizard skin tape's great. Oh, yeah. All right, so now we got that. What kind of tires are you doing? You're going through New York City, a place that terrifies me personally to drive my car. You're going through with a bike. Potholes, people, grooves, sewers, all the different stuff that you have to deal with. What kind of tires do you ride with? Oh, man, I'm actually really glad people are going to be hearing this because I want to get this message out there that there's only one tire set in my lifetime that I would ever trust with my bike, and that is called the Paneracer Ridmo. That's uh, R-I-B-M-O. Uh, for some reason, of all the 60, 100, 120, almost 200 all the tires in the city that claim puncture resistance, they're wrong. Continental, I haven't been bad to say about Continental, but for some reason, in the city, not even the hard shells can suffice. So what I recommend is is my setup, and every time I broke one, I bought one. Panerasa Rhythmo, and uh, also, I got a nice little uh, toughy liner in each of them, so the potholes stand no chance. The Pan Racer, you said Ribmo, R-I-B-M-O? Yep. And you got the toughy liners, and then do you have any type of special tube preference? Nope, nope, I'm not gonna lie to you. I simply, uh, because, of the t uh, because of the tire liner and because of the performance of these amazing tires, uh, straight up, Go to go like Amazon or eBay, get yourself a nice wholesale box of 349 tubes. That's what I did, and uh, never had a problem unless it was defected, which a lot of them are. So. Oh, <laughs> my favorite topic about fixed gear bikes is foot retention. 
and I have a PSA about that. Simply put, it's a bike. It's going to ride no matter what kind of pedal you put on it. But a lot of people like to step out into the world and say, hey, I want to try riding a fixture bike. So let me buy a fixture bike and roll into it. Nowadays, well, pretty much ever, I don't think I've ever seen a fixture bike leave a bike shop with foot retention on it. So as far as pedals go, it's it's all about preference. But one thing that's important about fixed gear bikes is always having foot retention. Always, whether you have a brake or not. Mainly because you have to stop one way, and that's by pedaling backward. Having foot retention, as you may know, will give you the ability to pedal up in either direction. So not only will that help you get uphill, or will that help you get more speed downhill, but it'll also give you a chance to have a little more oomph in your back pedal when stopping. And if you have to, you can learn a simple trick that I like to call the skid stop, where you literally just hold your foot up in the up position and you completely cut off the saddle and your wheel will stop moving. It'll lock in place, giving you uh, a greater, a shorter stopping distance. As, as far as recommendations go, if you have flat pedals, you got straps. And uh, straps are always good. Straps are classic. Straps are usually the most reliable, uh, mainly because of the ballistic material they're made out of. But there are some companies that are better than others, which uh, my recommendation would be Holdfast or Zulu or Chinelli. They usually make the stronger straps. Whereas if you're if you're using um, the classic Christophe. Keys, what are those? Chris yeah. 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 Yep. Yeah. Those. Those guys, they're, I don't use those. I personally don't like those. I only like them because it'll give your steel road bike or your steel track bike a nice classic looking feel. But if you find a good one, clip and strap system, you're good to go. But my absolute favorite go-to is mountain bike clipless pedals. So far has been the most reliable, namely Crank Brothers. And everyone hates me for saying that. Nobody in this city actually likes Crank Brothers, and I don't understand. I'm not gonna lie to you, Tom. Crank Brothers pedals and clips have saved my life plenty of times. How did Crank Brother pedals save your life? And this is not a paid promotion. How did Crank Brothers save your life? You know, with every pedal and cleat system, wear and tear will happen, and your cleats will have to be replaced. That's a given. But if you're riding fixed gear, some clipless pedals cannot handle the torque, and namely some shoes. Some shoes can't even handle that torque when you're trying to pull up to stop because your wheel has so much contact with the floor and the speed you're going, any other factor that plays in mind. Crank Brothers have saved my life plenty times because, for example, I'm going down the Williamsburg Bridge on the Manhattan side, which is, which is a little steeper than the Brooklyn side. So literally, I'm just bombing the hill. I got a, I got a pretty hefty, uh, a pretty hefty ratio of, of 49.13. Without a brake with clipless pedals, I've used Shimano clipless pedals and every time I would stop, I pull my foot up with the tension on it, it just pops right out. I, I was really scared this one day because going down the Williamsburg Bridge at full speed, I wanted to get to the bottom of the, of the bridge for anyone. And I don't do that always, but you know, when I'm with the fellas and, and you know, they look at you and say, I'll race you. Dude, you're on. I thought it'd be a good idea to just mash my way all the way down this hill with no brakes and my trusty clipless pedals, which I had just bought. And I'm not going to lie to you, I actually didn't have much faith in them at the time. But there were like this group of skateboarders at the bottom doing what they do, probably smoking weed or, or like just sitting in the bike path. I don't know what they were doing. <laughs> but all I know is I just had to think fast. And my, my, one, my three options were, one, 
bunny hop over them. Two, just eat it. Just completely eat the floor. Or three, say, hey God, can these pedals work? So I chose to just lock my knees in place, get off the saddle and pull up and just hold it as hard as I could. And eventually my wheel stopped moving and all the way from where I was until the very bottom of the bridge, I just had this mean skid going all the way down to the bottom of the bridge just before where the skateboarders were. And if it weren't for the crank builders, pedals, and cleat, I would not have had the ability to stop so short. Because with Shimano pedals, for example, and I'm not dissing Shimano pedals, Shimano pedals are great for the mountain, but they just don't have that kind of tension to handle that. But crank builders, for some reason, does. And that's not the first time I've been in that kind of predicament. So I absolutely love them the best. That comes right back full circle to the beginning of why Fixie becoming more one with the bike, coming closer in your relationship with that bike. It's like driving a standard versus driving an automatic. You've got to really be on and thinking about, is it going forward? Is it slowing down? Is it speeding up? And I kind of get it. Yeah, exactly. It's more like, you know what it is? I call cycling a science and I call riding fixed gear a math. Only because when it comes to science, Anybody can drop a liquid into a beaker full of this and the chemicals will react. But we fixed your guys. We have a way of knowing exactly how the chemicals and why the chemicals react. It's definitely a lot more calculation involved. And by calculation, you don't get to sit there with a nice notebook in front of you. You have to sit there while moving at least 20 miles per hour down a Manhattan intersection, calculating exactly how much time, how much space, how many pedestrians, how many cars and where these cars are going. That has to keep us in the game. It's definitely the, the math of the cycling world. This is what I would call it. What's the craziest ride you can remember going through New York? Oh, man. <laughs> The craziest ride I can remember going through New York. Um, it was definitely a ride that will, it was definitely a ride to remember because everything New York had that, that it could possibly throw at you was thrown at me and, the, and my boys on the street. Had a ride starting up from Harlem and it was just a mash all the way down Broadway and it was to connect to Williamsburg, Brooklyn and then a little bit into Queens. It was kind of like a holiday, like a holiday ride for Halloween, I believe. And um, basically, as soon as we started, because there was a large number of us, the cops gave us a huge issue. We had no choice but to evade, which we did. We, we lost a lot of guys along the way to flats and a couple of injuries. Luckily, I was able to push through. And then, for some odd reason, while we were while we were trying to get away from this other group of cops that were trying to take us down for a red light in Midtown. We ended up going up the wrong way in the Park Avenue tunnel, which is pretty scary because not so much the cars coming at you, but the potholes that are down there. And again, like on some movie stuff, we lost a few guys in there. <laughs> so people are just <laughs> going down all over the place. Yeah, it was, it, was, it was left and right. I mean, and honestly, in this city, anybody who rides in this city, whether you're a messenger like me or you're a casual weekend warrior, even city bikers would see all of the nonsense anybody on the bike has to go through. So pretty much every day I ride in the city, something goes wrong. And it's just up to me and my bike to get through it all.
So you love that bike. And then you're living in the worst city for getting your bike stolen, maybe on the planet and possibly in the possibly in the universe. So what do you do? What do I do? I'm not going to lie to you. And some people might not like hearing this, but my bike is bright pink. And uh, I got bright blue lizard skin uh, handlebar tape and got some pink on there. So my bike is definitely a target. What I do, I have my locks one and I lock my bike and I hope for the best. Just a simple uh, kryptonite in my evolution, the orange one, a little, little bit. There's always strategies to locking up in the city. I mean, if you follow these simple rules, you will, you know, it's like rule number one, always lock your frame. Some people like to lock their wheels and that's, and that's a recipe for, for destruction. I feel like if they can't get through the lock, then they won't get to my frame. They can take they, they can take anything they want, but the frame is really my child. Yep. So I I always just like lock up. I try to lock up in a smart place, usually somewhere with the light or a camera or an officer or a person sitting in the car. So you just lock the frame, but most importantly, I try to make sure there's no space where the loop is in the lock, just so no one keeps a crowbar on it. But that's it, I just hope for the best. The frame is the soul of the bike. If you need to put a new wheel on, you put a new wheel on, but if you make your frame more safe, by you know, sacrificing the wheel or, or making the wheel a little less safe, you at least walk out there and you still have the soul of the bike is still around. Precisely. Have you ever had a bike stolen and what was it? Oh man, no, actually I've never had a bike stolen, but because of the way I locked my bike, I've definitely lost a bunch of parts. And um, more, uh, some of which weren't that great, some of which were, for example, uh, in front of a Best Buy in broad daylight, Yes, I said that. A Best Buy in broad daylight, on Broadway, where cops roam 24-7. Somehow I managed to lose a pair of Weinman DP-18 wheels. I can't, I, I mean, for some reason it still hurts my heart because of how stupid that is, but fine. But nothing's worse than the time I was actually borrowing my friend's bike. He has a bike that some people might be familiar with. It's called the Gutterball by GT. It's one of their later triple triangle models, which is pretty sought after here in the city uh luckily again because i locked the frame they didn't get to the frame but of course they took my friend's brook saddle original leather and his thompson seat post and his thompson seat clamp and that was devastating so i kind of i don't know how to explain it it's terrible so it is as bad as the reputation would say and yeah oh yeah What's the best Sparrow? The best Boro, man. I always hated this question, but I'm going to say it. It's Brooklyn, man. Brooklyn, we know how it goes down. Brooklyn's huge. It's not the biggest, but we here in Brooklyn, this is where pretty much everything New York ever started, with the exception of Harlem. Brooklyn is definitely the number one Boro, and I'm hardly saying that because I'm from there. I've lived in Queens for several years, and I hate Queens with a passion. Brooklyn's where it's at, man. You can't go wrong. All right. If people want to learn more about some of the stuff you've been talking about or to see some of your stuff, where would they go? They would go straight to Instagram. I don't really mess with anything else, no Facebook, nothing like that. But uh, right now it's Instagram. I'm working on a website. But go on my Instagram, you'll see all that. That's uh, Six Gear Heroes. F I X E D G E A R H E R O E S. And on that Instagram page, you'll see nothing but the finest that six-year cycling has to offer you in the five boroughs of this mean old city of New York. Thank you so much for being on the show today. I really appreciate it. Yeah, Tom, look out, man. If you're ever up in Connecticut, we'll go riding. Oh, man, very soon. I got family up there. Awesome. Awesome.
bicycle words. Palabras que tienen que ver con bicicleta. Le parole della bicicleta. Le mots du ciclisme. Las palabras de ciclismo. Le parole del ciclismo. Todos hablamos bicicleta. We all speak bicycle. It's time to play Bicycle Words, where we look at words from around the world that are used in the world of cycling from all the different disciplines, trying to build a common language of cycling. So play along and see if you know these words. From Grupo to Endo, we're going to take words from all different disciplines and see if cyclists know them. Here we go. Endo. I have no idea. Endo. No idea. Okay, and endo. I don't know. That sounds like something about a colostomy. Endo. Uh, flip over the uh, handlebars. Endo. That sounds like something you go to see your doctor for over age 50. <laughs> Kevin, I think that is. I think you might be right there. Or tipping over your handlebars, maybe. Uh, let's see. Um, annoying... What is that? Samaritan? Oh, somebody trying to help and make you when you're driving and they annoy you and they think they're helping you and they're not. I don't know. Annoying Samaritan? I can only imagine it's someone who tries to help you when you don't actually want it. <laughs> Annoying Samaritan. Um, is it the person who comes to talk to you about stupid stuff while you're trying to do something like change a tire when all you want to do is just change the tire and not talk to someone? Annoying Samaritan. Uh, someone that wants to help but isn't actually being very helpful. You must know what a snake bite is. A snake bite, bite of course. That's, um, that's when you pick up a snake and it bites you. <laughs> <laughs> I think. Oh, isn't that when you uh, like you hit a curb and it, it puts a uh, you know like a tube it, it, it punctures your tube? But That's it, it. Yeah, it bites your tube. Uh, let's see, a, sn a snake bite. Uh, obvious, other than the I I oh I don't know. I have no idea unless it's something to do with the chain, which looks like a snake. Uh, how am I doing so far here? Snake bite. Um, Probably if something on your bike hurts you, but I don't know. Um, snake bite. Maybe when something gets you on the leg and it hurts? Uh, snake bite. When you pinch flat your tube against a rock and the rim uh, because you were low, running too low a pressure or you're just, just not very smooth. And a 50-50 is a raffle. 50-50 is a raffle? I, I honestly did not know what that is. Uh, me neither. <laughs> 50-50, and bike terms, no. 50-50, uh, weight balance where you rest on the bike. 50-50, gosh, I have no idea. Okay, a 50-50, that sounds like way too much to drink. Grab a wheel, I don't know what that means either. Grab a wheel, go for a ride. Grab a wheel when you're getting passed by someone who's going faster and you jump on their wheel to draft off of them. Uh, grab a wheel. Grab a wheel. Uh, mm, uh, is that like a uh, off-road thing where mm. you grab your wheel and you do a stunt? It's not off-road, it's like a BMX thing, no? Oh, maybe, when you're flipping over and like end-to-end -end in the air yeah. on a ramp and you just grab right. your wheel for shows. I saw you do that oh, just the other yes. day, right? Um, grab a wheel. Um, I, yeah, man, 
I have no idea. What is this, like erotica? Eroica. Eroica, well, it sounds like erotica, so there. Okay. Is this spelled wrong? Is it supposed to be erotica? It's eroica. Eroica. <laughs> I don't know what that is either. Eroica? <laughs> nope. Uh, eroica is a race in Italy, but I think it just means passion, and particularly an Italian passion for cycling. And, um, Eroica, or... <laughs> no clue. No. No clue. Kit? Kit. That's what you pack your lunch in, or what you might wear. Sure. While biking. Maybe. Sure. Kit? Nope. Kit. Oh, I know what that is. That's all your stuff that you wear and your, your whole outfit, your shirt and your cycling, choice of cycling bottoms. Kit. Okay, your kit, that's that really strange outfit people wear that many of them shouldn't wear that have suspenders and their belly hangs out under it. And yeah. Kit, uh, this is your cycling gear, your helmet, your shoes, your jersey, shorts. Clydesdale? Nope. Um, Clydesdale. That's a big guy who rides a bike. Okay, um, Clydesdale. It sounds like a very big horse, so maybe it's a very big bike. Clydesdale, this is a category of racer for anyone who's over 200 pounds. <clears throat> Clydesdale. I only know the horse. That's, uh, I think that's what my butt looks like from behind. Uh, you say bud? I know the bud, the yeah. bud trucks are driven by Clydesdales. <laughs> That might be where it comes from. And if, oh, tacoed, I think that's when your wheel gets all, uh, uh, like your, the whole wheel is bent and people bang it with a rock and stuff. What about that? Tacoed, I, isn't that something to do with crashing? Tacoed, I think it is. Oh, I know what that is, when you crash hard and your wheel bends like a taco. Ah, uh, oh, okay, <laughs> that makes sense. Lucky enough not to have done that. Tacoed, nope. Tacoed, that's your wheel when you endo, perhaps, or you uh, do other sorts of things, or you're chewing a wheel. I've seen our interns have chewed wheels into tacos. <laughs> I have no idea how they did that, but they somehow managed to chew it into taco. Tacoed, that means when that big guy rides a bike and the wheel's not right for him and it gets bent in half. So how'd you do? Did you get some of them? Did you get all of them? Special thanks to Mojo, Liz, Carol, Rob, and Kevin. Thank you very much for playing the game. To find out the answers, please go to and hopefully like the Facebook page for Bike Karma. As winter finally yields to better weather for those of us in the Northern Hemisphere, we find ourselves being let loose onto the trails, bike paths, and roads. With fewer constraints to limit us, we push ourselves and enjoy the best that this season has to offer. But what we've forgotten about in the winter is the reality of those epic rides. The heat, the fatigue, and the necessary rest stops. So as we're out riding around, whether it be out in the countryside or through neighborhoods or through the forgotten urban landscape, there are several oases that appear to us as bikers. The coffee shop, the donut shop, 
the ice cream stand, the corner cafe, the pub, the water fountains that have hopefully been turned on and aren't too gross, the refrigerated drink dispensing machines that hopefully have cold Gatorade and water in them, the fruit stands and farmers markets, the lemonade stands, see previous episode, the parks that often have many amenities, and in a pinch, your old friend, the porta potty. While my fellow cyclists seem to have no problem with going various stages of commando on the issue, sometimes it's just really good to have a porta potty on your route. So with that in mind, I'm going to introduce you to Newton's lesser-known three laws of porta potty physics. Sir Isaac Sir Newton's lesser-known lesser laws, laws of porta potty physics. physics. Law one. Law one states that the inside of a porta potty is always 20 degrees warmer than the outside environment. Sometimes they're tan, sometimes they're blue, sometimes they're green, and they almost always are definitely 20 degrees warmer on the inside than they are on the outside. Law 2. Law 2 states that no matter how deserted the outside looks, as soon as you go into the porta potty, people will spontaneously appear and knock on the door. Because of porta potties, I believe that the time-space continuum is flexible. So, here I am at a porta potty, just as an experiment. Not doing anything nefarious. I'm about to just step into it. If you are using a porta potty, it can be miles away from human contact. You might not hear anybody or see anybody for literally a mile away. Were you to step into the porta potty, an amazing thing happens. Within about 20 seconds, people will appear from nowhere. People will bang on the door who were non-existent only moments before. Glorious, Glorious Law 3. Law 3 states that oftentimes a porta potty use will go without incident, but sometimes things that you couldn't even imagine will happen. My grossest experience in a porta potty was alongside of a bike path in Manchester, and it was during the peak of summer. It was very warm, the inside was very hot, it was very smelly. As I was about to leave, I went to squirt some of the hand sanitizer into my hands, and out, instead of hand sanitizer, I'm guessing 200 ants fell into the palm of my hand. I couldn't be more disturbed by this. I still am a little bit sketchy about such things, even today. Several years later, I move the little tab and wait for something to squirt out besides ants before I use the hand sanitizer. And don't get me started about what happens at the quantum level. through another episode of Bike Karma. I'd like to thank Andrew, Mo, Joe, Liz, Carol, Rob, and Kevin for their help with this episode. As always, I'd like to thank Keller Glass and Mob Jack for their excellent theme music in the opening and closing. I'd like to thank Iron Sharpener247365, Jerbian2, Michael Dubnik, and Moss303 for following on Podbean as well as all the people following on Facebook and Instagram. I really appreciate it. 
If you'd like a Bike Karma podcast decal, please just send me an email and I can send you one as a thank you. To do that or to let me know if you have an idea for a story, you can email bikekarmaguy at gmail.com. And while this is a commercial free labor of love, if you'd like to support the WHS Bicycle Club by checking out their Amazon.com wish list, just go to WHS Bicycle Club under list. It would be greatly appreciated. Bike Karma podcast and all associated episodes are the intellectual property on creation of Tom Brown, copyright, trademark, and all other rights are reserved. Be safe and always think about what you're doing out there. Follow the rules and as Kion says, wear a helmet. Don't blame me if you don't. Sincere thanks again for all the people who've listened and who've shared their stories and time with me. Hope that you enjoy some of these episodes. Check our back catalog out. Till next time, keep it wheel. Knock, take my time.